Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. You're listening to the Bellarmine Forum podcast. I am your show host, John B. Manos, president of the Bellarmine Forum. I wanted to bring up something, two points, right off the bat, bam. Father Harden brings up to us that our Lord rose from the dead, principally that he might be with us in the Blessed Sacrament. And at the Blessed Sacrament itself is our sign he's risen from the dead. Think about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Our faith is a constellation of revealed truths, right? They're beautiful. I bring up something else. It's going to flavor the rest of what we're going to talk about today. But I thought there's a beautiful thing that I never really thought of on its own. You know, we're not too far away from Passion Week and, and having that ripe on our minds. But of the apostles, look at St. Peter, he's crucified upside down. Look at the terrible deaths of the apostles. Were any of them at the cross? Who was there? St. John. He was there with our Blessed Mother. Today's Mother's Day. And we all love our Blessed Mother, who Jesus gave to us to be our mother. St. John followed the Blessed Mother, and she brought him through rough times. The passion of our Lord, the crucifixion, is, is terrible, right? Can you imagine, you know, from Good Friday, from putting your mind's eye, using your imagination appropriately, to see what witnesses have told us happened, the truth of what happened, how terrible a time for the church that was. There, St. John, with our Blessed Mother, at her side, her at our Lord's side, the Stabat Mater, right? St. John was the only one of the apostles that didn't suffer one of these horrific, violent deaths. Our Lady kept him through all of this. And you have to wonder at some point, is it because he's the only one of the apostles that showed up on Good Friday who was there? Just keep that in mind because today we'd say all kinds of stuff's going on in the church, right? It's a bit of a Good Friday for Mother Church in a lot of levels. Yesterday, uh, news was coming out, and it, I'm a little bit confused because they say that uh, Pope Francis said this on April 7th, but the, the news was putting it out on May 7th. But Pope Francis is quoted as saying, it's not possible to worship God while making the liturgy a battleground. Most people I repeated that quote to, uh, to say, well, wait a minute, didn't he make it one? When I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, that's what my knee-jerk reaction was too. But then I started thinking about it some more. I started thinking, no, wait a minute. The liturgy's been a battleground for 50, 60 years. Since the 70s at least, right? I could think of terrible stuff. But I mean, here's Pope Francis saying, I emphasize again that the liturgical life and study of it should lead to greater church unity not division. Now, there's that word unity. You know, 
we've had a, a story in the past that in the name of church unity, then Bishop Supich. Uh, I've been appointed by three popes, not just by Francis. Locked a Latin mass parish, preventing the parishioners from celebrating Good Friday. And he said it was an invitation to come pray with him, that they might be unified. I get real nervous when I see that word unity these days because it's not, they don't use it the way we think that word means. You know, our, our Lord uh, said that they may all be one. You know, that, that, and then when they use the word unity, they make us think the same way. But the way unity's rolled out today, it's not quite what we think, is it? So here's a continuing Pope Francis. He said, when the liturgical life is a bit of a banner of division. There is the stench of the devil in there, the deceiver. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I agree with him, but it's it's not the way he thinks, I don't think. It's not the way the news is presenting it, the way people think this means in the news. I mean, uh, let's go on with a little bit of his quote. We're going to come back to that, okay? The Pope said that the liturgy should not be a battleground for, quote, outdated issues. And he continued with another quote. I emphasize again that the liturgical life, that's the part we had from the beginning. It's repeating it in this article. There we go. Here's the other one. It's not possible to worship God while making liturgy a battleground for issues that are not essential. Interesting. Indeed, outdated issues and to take sides, starting with the liturgy, with ideologies that divide the church. Who does that? Who does that? It's the modernists that do it, right? But it's being turned as if you and I do it. So every reform creates resistance. You know, this is the whole thing. Oh, we're, we're all moving to this better place. And of all of these things scandalized close-minded people, it happens also today. Yeah, there's a lot happening today that I've seen happen before. That's what I want to talk to you about. I'm going to play a little game with you here. You know, uh, uh, cue the harp music. Yeah, it's nice. The hypothetical parish. And I want you to picture with me. So the, this is, this is, I'm, I'm quoting from something and it's a, Let's just pretend that we all belong to this parish. I'm going to make names up as we go along. The Ethelreda Parish. Let's just say it's located in the town of Middleburg. Our pastor and the only priest of the parish is Father Philbert Imbacillus. And, uh, you know, he introduced altar girls many years ago, and he refuses to distribute Holy Communion to anyone kneeling. Either you're standing for Holy Communion or he will pass you by. When you go into the church, you notice there's a, a some sort of like large, larger than life image of our Lord. Not a crucifix. He's up on the wall there. A few chairs and a table. It's sort of an open design. You know, and there's some nice plants. Uh, and, and, and there's a band. And they always welcome 
it's always a statement from uh, some lay person gets up there and welcomes you to Ethelreda Parish and announces who the presider will be that week and tells you a bunch of things about the readings and gives you a few announcements and then announces the opening hymn, right? It's a, uh, so let's go uh, a little bit more. Father Filbert regularly omits the glory and substitutes what he calls the prayer of belief. And he never really says the Nicene Creed. He changes both the wording of the sacramentary and the lectionary to eliminate every uh, even suggestion of sexist language. But not only that, he, he's he's got it all memorized. He doesn't have to re- he doesn't have to read it. See, and he uses strange looking and even stranger tasting altar bread. And regularly refers to God as father, mother, or pronouns he or she. And he insists that everyone stand for the whole Eucharistic prayer. Everyone. He wants them to put their arms up, you know, and bless. Or whatever that's called. He regularly changes the words of the Mass, including the words of consecration, to suit his own fancy. Because as times change, we know the needs change. And he hardly ever celebrates Mass without a crowd of what he calls facilitators and ministrants and lay ministers, most of whom are well-known as zealous feminists who join their hands around the altar during the Eucharistic prayer. The others are over in the uh, choir right there next to the, right next to the sanctuary up front of the church and they play handbells and instruments and everything else. Well, recently, Father Filbert announced that, you know, from that point forward, no one may receive Holy Communion on the tongue as well. You can receive it in the hand or you will be passed by. I'm going to ask you, where, when do you think this was written? It sounds just like today, doesn't it? I'm going to give you a hint. His father Harden came up with that hypothetical. Let me give you another hint. It's 30 years ago. What is the Pope talking about with outdated issues? Is it these Father Filberts out there? You know, let's continue with our father's hypothetical a little bit more. Countless letters from the parishioners have been sent to the bishop. Every one of them has been unanswered. And there's no reason to expect that the bishop will make any effort to change the abuses in the parish. In fact, the only occasion when the bishop has made any public statement on the subject of the liturgy was when he rejected a petition to allow celebration of the Tridentine Mass in his diocese. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The bishop replied, he said, there's no need to return to the past. And the parishioners were labeled uh, liturgical reactionaries by His Holy Excellency. It, it, I'm reading this for Father, but I, I can remember this happening, you know, in my own lifetime. I was very young, but the, when I see the stuff today, it's like a replay. And when I hear the Pope Francis talking about don't make the liturgy a battleground, I'm like, what? 
I, I have no experience other than it being made one by our own American bishops my whole life. Let's just go through some of the things, right? When I was young, it was just altar boys, pelargic, forced altar girls. And when he was called out upon it, because people wouldn't understand this, this is in the early 80s, mid 80s, somewhere near. I was, he, you know, people remember, he wrote in the thing, I don't care what the Pope says, I will make him approve them. Sure enough, 10 years later, in 94, he was president of the USCCB, which his predecessor, Bernardin, had been and brought us communion in the hand. But in 1994, Wilton Gregory, who's now in D.C., was the Auxiliary of Chicago. He was the head of the liturgy uh, committee at the USCCB, and Pilarczyk was the head of the USCCB, and they had a secret vote at the meeting, and they approved altar girls. Pilarczyk got his promise 10 years later, but he did it. All this stuff has been going on. I've been to parishes. In the U.S., where the women are around the thing. I've told you about that in past episodes. And they're all holding their hands up, co-consecrating. The priest actually walked away from the altar during the consecration. Again, I ask Pope Francis, what outdated issues is he talking about? What battleground is he talking about? Just, I pulled up, uh, here is a local parish. They stream their Sunday Masses. If you want to go, now, just to frame this up, I always heard, when I was a kid, I heard the older people say that the Mass was in Latin and it was the same everywhere. And they were taught by the nuns. You could go anywhere in the world and hear the same exact Mass. It was the same everywhere through the world. Isn't that unity? That's unity, right? Same mass everywhere in the world, you know what was going on because it was in the same language everywhere. Can you do that today? You can't even do that in the city, can you? I mean, here's I'm gonna put I'm gonna play this little bit of live mass from today because you know I can't imagine you go into this church and what is it with these priests that they have to give you a homily before the mass even starts and it's some sort of like social commentary, you know, like. Welcome today. Uh, we find on Mother's Day, I'm so nice to see these mothers among us, and we're going to learn in the Gospels today that we're all part of the flock. And, you know, stay stay after communion today for important announcements, and we'll, let's now call to mind our, our shortcomings and ask the Lord for help. They won't say the word sin, will they? But they all say that. They all do that thing. And this is after you get the, whatever it is, the five minutes of uh, the layperson talking about the, the upcoming mass and introducing the uh, the entrance hymn. They, they, they've made a unity, but it's not what our tradition would give us for liturgy, is it? And then if you suffer through the petitions, the ill most of the time, ill-conceived and ill-known petitions for things. You know, where the person's got to lift their hand to let you know that you're supposed to speak. You know, if we were 
unified, people would know what their responses are, right? Seems like everybody knew in the Latin mass when to say amen, when to say Lord have mercy, when to say dominum sum dignus. People knew what to say, what to say. They didn't need somebody lifting their hand telling them when to talk. Today, it's so chaotic in the American liturgy that you have to have a layperson up there giving prompts to people. Why? Because it's not the same anywhere, is it? But the only thing same everywhere is bad music. I mean, you, it's the only vari- you're going to catch a variety everywhere. Do, are they using the handbells? Uh, how many singers are there? Uh, is this song going to even be Catholic? I mean, okay, like here you go. Here's uh, after I found it interesting. There was a rocket cannon at this mass, and then you know, you're sitting there. And maybe you try to find some peace. Maybe you try to find a way to receive communion that's not from a lay person. You know, you sneak over to the priest line or whatever. And, and then immediately they start up with this. It's that stupid piano they got everywhere. When did the piano become a liturgical instrument? For real. And it's in there. Oh, yeah, here you go. Isn't that nice? Does that sound like sacred music to you? But that's what you're going to find. That's the pablum of American liturgy, isn't it? That, to me, offends my senses. It is making it a battleground for me. I know it does for you, too. If you've just stumbled into this podcast, uh... You just kind of got where I come from and where this audience's preferences generally are. If you like the felt banner at the front of parish that has the like the weird uh, blocky uh, wheat, you know, and they always use like the chunky chalice and it says something like love one another. If you like that, go be a Presbyterian. Go join the, you know, whatever it is, the, 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 there's a very popular media driven, uh, non-denominational church here. And you can even pick if you believe it's a, the Eucharist is the real presence or not. You can go to a different room during their service. They have nice ferns. They have some Egyptian statuary and, uh, you convert your signal on the weekends there. You know, why can't we just send, you know, and they have guitars, they have bands, they have rock bands. You know, if you're into all that, they got all that. I want the liturgy that was handed to me from the Catholics. I don't want these invading forces. I don't want it subverted. I don't want hippies that don't believe in the real sacrament. That there's grace that comes, that supernatural grace comes. And that basically make a mockery of this most august sacrifice. Our Lord, Our Lady tells us at Fatima, what's the two things? Don Bosco's vision. He sees the church tied up to two pillars, one with the Blessed Sacrament, the other with Our Lady atop it. Then we see at Fatima, the angel comes, he gives a catechism of the Blessed Sacrament to the children, right? Teaches them it's the real presence. That's actually our Lord. Just like I brought up in the beginning with Father Hardin's comment. Lord rose from the dead 
that he could be with us in the blessed sacrament. Think of that. And that you, by being at Mass, could be transported there with Dismas, with St. John, with the Blessed Mother, with our Lord. That's what's supposed to be going on at Mass. Not this fellowship of community unity. Not this, oh, let's all bring our talents and trample on the sacredness of the Mass. No, you're supposed to be picking up the treasure of grace from the sacrifice and going out in the world and trampling error with it. But instead, we've picked up all the error of the world and trampled on the sacredness of the liturgy. Which, you know, if I see with how I understand the words, what Pope Francis said, I could agree with him. The liturgy shouldn't be like what I just said there, what we just, this little example. It shouldn't be those things, should it? There shouldn't be outdated issues like communion in the hand, like altar girls, like felt banners, like destroyed sanctuaries. I mean, let's talk about battle for a minute. Let's talk about World War II. You ever seen pictures of Germany after the Allied bombing? Looks like most American sanctuaries, doesn't it? Everything ornate and beautiful has been destroyed, bombed out. What battleground is Pope Francis talking about? Because at least I see the destruction of war in all of these suburban parishes. Don't you? I mean, this is like, it's, this is what I was playing there, this stuff. That's, that's, that's suburban America. Most places you go, this is what you're going to get. And you've got parishes that have like not had, not heard confessions in two years from the pandemic. That doesn't make any sense. And you're going to jump on me? And say, I'm wrong for wanting, to, one, for the liturgy to be what's been handed down. Two, for it to be free of all these outdated hippie issues. Three, for it to actually be fitting for what it is. Four, why should it be wrong for me to want sacred music? If I want to listen to, you know... Um, the hippie guitar stuff. I'll go down to the coffee shop and like wait for the, you know, the free, the free, uh, freestyle hour, open mic time when, you know, like Jim, who saw things, Vietnam man, like wants to play guitar and get a little folksy. I would think that's appropriate there. Might even join in with singing them. Might get my harmonica out. But at Fatima, when we learn, the same thing that Don Bosco said, the same thing that we all know. Our faith requires us to, one, believe the promise of our Lord, and from that, we assent. We willingly tell our minds the dogmas of Catholic faith are true. Period. That's what it means. These people that march in, the music director that thinks, 
oh, it's so nice that what these Eastern Buddhists think we should try to, you know, do some chant like they have. That person should be burned. It'd be better for them. Or the lay minister that thinks that, you know, it's it's really just a symbol of community. They really shouldn't be serving, should they? They should be nowhere near that sanctuary. They need to go back to remedial school. Until they're willing to stay and state clearly that they believe that's the real body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord present in that transfigured communion. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you don't have that, you're not Catholic. So a battleground for liturgy. One side of it is our Blessed Mother. We see it's in Fatima. I brought it up. It's the same message. Through the ascent to the beliefs of the church, we get the supernatural grace. Our, through baptism, we're reconfigured so that we're able to actually hold the supernatural. People that aren't baptized, their soul is incapable of holding supernatural power. Through baptism, through confirmation, and no, it's not called initiation. I'm sorry. It's not the Masonic Lodge. It's not the Wiccan Lodge. It's not the New Age arrival. It's confirmation, baptism, first communion. Those things go together to create a fully formed, you know, and with first confession, obviously, because you get that before first communion. I don't mean to be... You know, if I don't say that, somebody will come back and later say, well, you didn't really explain this. You get where I'm going at. Through baptism, your soul's reconfigured. With confirmation, because you've reached the age of ascent, you've agreed to be anointed and sealed and consecrated to the service of the church where the Holy Spirit, just like Pentecost that's coming up, you get the power, supernatural power, to actually live what? I saw a thing recently where, you know, over on uh, uh, one of the uh, modernist uh, things that might have been American Magazine where he's saying, we need an 11th commandment. You know, it's to be kind. No, we don't need an 11th commandment. We have the Beatitudes. And a Jesuit writing that crap knows better. It's all over the spiritual exercises. Our Lord gave us the expectation to do the impossible. Why? He says, with me, you can do all things. We can expand that. With the grace I will give you because you commune with me, you eat my flesh, you get supernatural power. Only then can you do the Beatitudes. There's your 11th commandment. To do the Beatitudes. I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. It's like a tent revival, but I got all whacked up. I mean, you read that quote and it's like, what kind of battle? Where, what fantasy land does Pope Francis live in? Where's he been for 50 years? My whole life. I've seen the battleground and it's not me causing it. I'm a victim of it. I'd be just as happy as to have, you know, the Latin mass was already abrogated before I was born. But I was around people that never didn't forget it. And I happened to, you know, they found a parish where they didn't really stop. It's a whole other story there. So I got to see people that never really, really gave it up. 
I got to see how they reacted to the faith and how they viewed the world in, in light of the faith. Listen to look at your ads today, and I think there's a lot of good wishes there, but boy, they just don't know much about what's going on. They just make stuff up. I guess, you know, because they don't want to go looking for it. I don't know. It's kind of easy to find these old tapes by people like Father Harden to see what they thought. Come back to this thing. I get, I just get whacked. I get wound up, man. At the battleground in the liturgy. And I'm the one that's, you know, I'm suddenly the one that's wrong. Just because I would like the same thing everywhere. Just because I would like something beautiful and sacred. No, 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 no. The infiltrators, the subversion, the, the treachery in the church comes from the modernists that refuse to leave. It comes from the busybody layperson who wants to be important and be up there with the presider. All that language was changed. You know, I still had old nuns in my grade school and they still called it confession. Maybe they'd say sacrament of penance, but it would, it would refer to confession. And I can remember in college, and I've given a lot of uh, uh, things that I saw in Cincinnati at the time. There were places you could go. There were parishes there where they didn't have confession. They had general absolution now and then. You know, I look back on it now, and you see his stuff today. Parish. Parish in Cincinnati. They haven't had confession in two years. It's right on their website. That blows my mind. What about those poor people? You talk about battle. Those people have probably been spiritually killed during that time, right? How can it be any other way? If somebody committed mortal sin, they haven't gone to confession in two years? Well, for heaven's sakes. What if they wanted to go, looked at the website, saw that they can't go, and then had to wallow in the mortal sin and things begin to compound and get worse? We want to talk about battle? We just lost a soldier. Because there's so many families in that parish I'm talking about. I guarantee you at least one in that span of two years. It's just a matter of statistics, right? People say, oh, well, you have to, God will provide. Yeah, he does it through his church. He does it through his liturgy. He does it through the sacrament. That's how God provides for us. And we have people that have taken that away from us. And then Pope Francis comes out and say, well, you can't turn it into a battleground. It already is. Well, continuing on the Fatima thing, the other part is just like I brought up with St. John. We have to follow Our Lady through this. Now, it's interesting. I brought up this uh, story with Father Harden for a reason. Because when I was wondering and I saw this thing, I was like, you know, Traditiones Custodes, when he's taken away the Latin Mass from us, that introductory letter he talked about, he acknowledged other liturgical abuses. I remember when he was saying that, and I'm like, you know, why, why isn't anybody doing anything about that? Why can't I go right on the web and look at uh, American parishes that stream their stuff and see there's like 10 women around the uh, table 
or, you know, after consecration, because they're going to go distribute communion. Why can't I see those things? Why, why is that the norm here? And if it's so important to have unity, why don't we use the model of unity that Mother Church developed over the centuries? Hmm? Because it's not what they want. By unity, they want you to be a, a modernist. They want you to like all that stuff. They want you to, you know, yeah. That brings us to the second problem. What do we do? Well, I think in the, that's why I brought up St. John following Our Lady. We've got to follow Our Lady in this, no matter what we do. She may ask us to stay with her through Calvary, just like St. John did. But look at the reward. Father Hardin, when he wrote those uh, that hypothetical parish, was compiling liturgical abuses that he was aware of at that time in, in, in the 90s. And when he says, you know, Father so-and-so uh, uh, began altar girls years prior, like I said, it goes back into the 80s. But the one that pushed it was Pilarchik in Cincinnati. Just like Cincinnati pushed communion in hand. All these liturgical abuses, you know. You may have seen it last month or so. They're talking about the women over in uh, uh, eight women that were uh, celebrating liturgy in Spain. I was like, hey, wait a minute. I can remember what Call to Action was doing that when I was in high school. And they had a do-it-yourself liturgy club. You know, we're just seeing all this stuff reemerge today. It's back on the scene. And the reason I pick on some of the new trads is they are viewing this as if it's novel stuff. I'm seeing it and having flashbacks of weird stuff I saw growing up. It's like, wait a minute, I've seen this. I can remember the butch nun in the pew. They almost shouted to sound like a sea captain when we, when all the rest of us were trying to say that our father, she'd say, our mother. Yeah, it's true. I was, I, I was scandalized by that. I mean, I knew there was like liberality in the church. I went to Jesuit high school for heaven's sakes. But you try going to a parish, you know, where you just like, oh, I just want to go to daily mass. And you got somebody like shouting our mother at you. And then giving you the stink eye because they, you didn't go along with it. Battleground. Yeah. Yeah. Battleground. All right. Yeah. It's supposed to be my fault. Really? I didn't bring that. The words in the book didn't bring that. They did. That's 30 years ago. Remember it well. Fortunately, over time, that, uh, Feminists uh, calm down a little bit. We actually could have nice conversations later. Joanne doing the our mother thing and stuff like that. So there must have at least been a little bit of a conversion there. Please, God. Circumstances had changed. I found myself in that church again more frequently. At least the daily mass was much calmer there. Could actually survive it, endure it. Wasn't that bad. But I could remember that place before. Yeah. You want to talk about a battleground? 
I've seen it, man. I sound like a Vietnam War vet, don't I, man? I've seen things about stuff, man. So, but yeah, it's true. I know when I see the Pope saying, oh, the liturgy shouldn't be turned into a battleground. Yeah, I agree with that. I just don't think we're talking about the same thing. I also agree that we shouldn't have brought in bulldozers to tear out sanctuaries. I also agree that bishops should not have been allowed to tear up churches and destroy them that were the product of the of money donated to make something for the future by people who didn't really have it to give. Just thrown aside, gutted, torn up, all of these things that were gifts of the family or sacrifices made by these immigrants and cultural people who wanted to make something beautiful for God. Just rent asunder. Seen it. And then when people complained all the way to Rome, Rome backed the bishop. And the bishop said, yep, nope, this is the way forward. We're, we're going to have a, a blank uh, worship space. Terrible. Terrible. Battleground. Church shouldn't be, yeah, it's right. Liturgy shouldn't be a battleground. Get all those invaders out. Get all the insurgents out. Get all the modernists out. Please, uh, dear listener, I hope that uh, I've had this conversation in the past, and, 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 and fortunately, I've always had access. I know people that live in areas that don't, though. You know, that's what Father Harden gets into in this thing from the 90s. Let's say you only have a few parishes within 100 miles of you. And one of them's, you know, Father Imbacillus there. And the other one's not much better. It sounds like the thing I played. What do you do? That's what Father Harden brings up. He goes, what are you supposed to do? That's Father Harden writing in the 90s. He gives a bunch of options. And the title of this was Father Harden on how to cope with liturgical, with abuses in Eucharistic liturgy. How to deal with liturgical abuse. And when he starts the thing off, we, you know as well as I do, we have an obligation to go on Sunday. I still believe I have an obligation to go on Ascension Thursday. Can you find a mass for Ascension Thursday on Ascension Thursday? Well, maybe you might have to go to a Byzantine church or you might have to go to a Latin mass. But now they're getting rid of the Latin mass. I've known people through the years, they go to SSPX. And all of the hot button talk now, you, boy, if you bring up the SSPX at all, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get beat up. And especially by the neo-trads that are out there. It's not schismatic. It's not schismatic. It's not, you know, you're wrong for saying they're schismatic. I'm sorry. I lived through this. I have my own opinion. And I know there's been efforts to reconcile things. But they're not real clear, are they? It's like everything else. It's just muck in the church, isn't it? Our Lord wants us to endure the muck. The other thing I know about, Orthodox liturgies are valid. I've known plenty of people that'll duck out into a Greek or a Russian Orthodox church just because they can't handle the offensive scandal that an American liturgy presents to them, and they just need one day of sanity. Fortunately, it's valid, and under the current canon law, that's allowed. But it's funny, 
Because I'll watch, if somebody brings that up, I watch the people that say the SSPX is not schismatic immediately turn and say, well, they're schismatic. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, if everybody's fled, if all the apostles have fled, except for St. John, what, what do you do? You have to endure this, right? You got to follow Our Lady. You know, and you get people that say, well, there's a period of time coming where you won't be able to go to Mass, and this is that period of time, so we go over here. I don't know. We all have to approach it in our own way with our own lights. I want to bring up some of the things that Father Harden brought up. Because I see these same things, just like Father Harden. You know, he talks about this. It's a dilemma facing Catholics. It's a dilemma then, but I see it accelerating where it's a dilemma again today. We got a reprieve for a while, just like I brought up with the seminaries. There was a reprieve for a while, and the seminaries were pretty clean. Normal people could go there and not be accosted by, you know, the party boys down the hall. If you think that doesn't happen, you didn't talk to too many seminarians. But as I understand things, it's going back to the way it was. I hope not. But, you know, when people want to talk about a pre-shortage, I can tell you from friends I had that tried to go to seminary, they left because they didn't want to be, you know, they're like, well, I don't go to those kind of bars, so why would I live in a place that's like that? Yeah, I won't bring up specifics. I won't bring up names, but I've heard those things through the years. You wonder why we have a pre-shortage, but it doesn't really take a whole lot to think. Let's talk about that battleground. Battleground of the liturgy. What would be driving that battleground? And it creates a dilemma because we we're obliged to go to mass. We want it. Besides, if you love our Lord, you want to be there. And then you go and you get affronted with this scandal. Some people throw their hands up and they're like, I just can't handle that. And yeah, I've been in places where I, I couldn't either and I had to walk out. So where's the battleground? Is it really the Latin Mass? You know, canons say that the church has an obligation to provide for the spiritual needs of the faithful. Pastoral concerns. But that's been weaponized, hasn't it? Because it seems to be when they're backing up the abuse, they cite pastoral concerns. It was Benedict who pretty much solidified that out of pastoral concerns, out of the spiritual needs of some of the faithful that want that stable, unified liturgy that's sacred, they could have it. Now, some people, some in the clergy, you know, who very important, are very rapidly taking that away so that we could be unified, locking us out of the Latin as an invitation to be unified. I don't know, some of that stuff I see, I don't want to be unified with. I don't want to be unified with error, for one thing. Got enough problems making my own mistakes. Maybe just having this little glimpse of heaven and unified actual liturgy that is the same that was experienced by Catholics who came before me. And it's a nice, unique channel of grace where I can get that supernatural help that I need, that fuel. That's a dilemma, isn't it? And what if you're one of these people that lives that can only go to, you know, Tinkle Bell Parish or uh, Father uh, uh, Felt Banner Flanagan? 
Uh, good, good morning. It's, it's Mother's Day. Welcome to our faith community. Let's begin by considering that today we learn the importance of kindness among, among we are the sheep, all of us, inclusively. We have to practice inclusiveness. I guarantee you, guarantee you, that more than one parish people heard that today. When it's actually nothing that should be brought up at all, right? There should have been the introit. There should have been the commons. There should have been a secret. There should have been, yeah, there could be a hymn. And since it's Mother's Day, maybe there was a Marian hymn and her lady crowned. Maybe uh, stay after Mass and we'll have a, a public recitation of a consecration of Blessed Mother. That would be nice. No. You get a social lecture. If I want a social lecture, I'll tell you what's interesting. When I go out to the secular sources and listen to what they're talking about, they're talking today about abandoning society, abandoning God, and look at the mess we're in because they've done that. <laughs> when you go to the church, when you go to American parishes, they're talking about, oh, we need to, we need to be practicing kindness. There's a mix up there, right? The stones are praising our Lord and, and they're prophesying. The church is telling us, hey, you, uh, you shouldn't turn this into a battleground. And meanwhile, you should be more like these worldlings. It's all upside down. A bad sign. We got to stick with Our Lady, right? Maybe next time I'll go through what, uh, some of the options Father Harden brought up. He, bring, he talks about it. He goes, can you go to the Lefebvre Mass? Can you go to Eastern Orthodox liturgy? Parish shopping. Responsibility of Catholics. And then, you know, he brings up the whole problem. It's a, it's a, it's a problem of understanding the Eucharist. I guarantee you, the people that lean towards stability in liturgy, that don't want a battleground, it's because they already understand Holy Eucharist is our Lord. But the problem is 70% of the Catholics don't believe that anymore. And we're not getting any help making more belief, are we? We're just being told to shut up and endure it. Well, rough times. Our lady already told us, pray our rosary daily and offer up uh, penances for this, right? It's really, it's the message of Akita. Compromises in the church. I'm sorry, you know, if you have to deal with liturgical abuses where you have to go. Maybe you have to go to that parish because your kids are in the school and they're required to get the envelope in the basket. Or maybe you're traveling and you're in a place where you could not literally get to something better. Or maybe you just live in some parts of the country where Bishop got rid of that in mass and you know now you're dealing with Father Felt Banner Flanagan. I feel bad for you if you, if you have to endure that. We'll talk about the options in the next one. For today, with Mother's Day, I want to bring up Our Lady. And in light of what we're seeing, or even Pope Francis is like, don't make the liturgy a battleground. Seemingly tone deaf to the battleground it is. Maybe nobody's told him what it's like in America, but this stuff happened throughout the whole world. 2004, German Cardinal told the, he told his whole metropolitan, see, yeah, I'm not going to listen to any liturgical abuse complaints. There were so many of them. Then instead of actually doing anything about all of it, he just said, we're, yeah, we're not going to deal with this anymore. You talk to the priest. And the priest was basically saying, yeah, I'm not doing anything about it. You're screwed. 
much like here in America. Now you've got the Pope. You know, as bishops in America said that, I can remember Pelagic writing in the Catholic Telegraph about these uh, tendentious Catholics and their concerns for the past and his ancient history. And you got Pope Francis saying it. Well, quit bringing up these outdated issues. The only thing I can say is stay close to the Blessed Mother. Because if this problems run up through the entire mess, I think our Lord will straighten it. Angels will straighten it out, right? Where else would you want to be? Don't be like the disciples, apart from St. John, who were nowhere to be found on Good Friday, were they? You want to be there at Mary's feet. Tell her today, Happy Mother's Day, Blessed Mother. Here I am, just like St. John. Don't let me leave your side. All that I have, all that I do, all my liberty is all yours, Blessed Mother. Consecrate it to thee till you can give it to your son. This is tough stuff. You warned about this at Akita. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to stay here with you. I'm going to say my rosary. It's all we can do, right? Let's say a prayer to the Blessed Mother for Mother's Day and thanking her uh, for being our mother and giving us a place to be with her. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. And dear Blessed Mother, please help Pope Francis. That's a mess, right? You have been listening to the Bellarmine Forum Podcast. You did it. Ivan, what's up with the music, man? Yeah, oh, it's the recessional hymn. It's there. <laughs> Am I supposed to be giving the announcements at the end? Oh, yeah. And I'd like to remind you of the pancake breakfast out back. You know, there. You know, go over and meet uh, people and sign up for any uh, ministries you'd like to be involved in. And uh, I'm looking over at Sally over there. She's uh, taking care of the vessels. Uh, Sally, you need people for the handbell choir, right? Yeah. If you're interested in that, come over and get some pancakes. Okay. There you go. That's what it is. I'm your show host, John B. Manos, president of the Bellman Forum. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say a rosary daily, like we just were talking about, because look at this battleground we got to deal with. If you would like to underwrite production of the podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website, bellamanforum.org, or call us. This podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation. Founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II, as a faithful enclave of the Catholic faith without all the progressive modernist confusion. And I had to turn that off. Ugh. You know, even as a joke, I just can't handle it. Can't handle it. No, 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 no. It's better than the other one. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's, maybe I'll get that one out so you guys get here sometime. Maybe maybe we'll just do a show of just, just, just bad church music. Our producer sits at the right hand of his father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellman Forum 2022 to the greater glory of God and the honor of his blessed mother.